it's it's an old it's an old country with uh, made of villages where you live good that's for the, maybe for the uh, for the for your public in the US I met many people saying oh but in Italy you have a good lifestyle but yeah we have good food blah 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 but it's not as as, as a fairy tale as it seems sometimes when you go to small villages you have to downgrade your ambitions a bit and uh, uh, you know understand their 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 you are seen as a as a stranger and it's very hard to enter the the village I mean there is some <laughs> you have to come and see <laughs> I can't be on the record saying anything about the person. What's that sound? Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? The proposition sounds intriguing. The proposition sounds very attractive. I tell you, it's a thoroughly sound proposition. Seems a sound proposition. What brought you here? The sound is the protagonist. exception from harsh noise to computer music to tape noise ambient uh, I also done uh, I also put out some impro uh, impro jazz releases and this uh, has been going on from 2013 First tapes were just me as Blood Feud and Matar Dolores, which was the uh, the duo we had with Francesco from Joy the Weaver, uh, who I think is you know uh, probably can be cited as the as as the person who mostly inspired me to do this. Uh, we were playing a lot, uh, also in other bands, and he he already had the label. We were touring a bit throughout throughout Europe and so yeah that all started from there I was already you know buying noise tapes blah 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 but then I I was collecting decks for a while and then started duplicating tapes and you know because it was cheap back then it was also now but you know it was the cheapest way also to sell you can you could sell them for cheap and you you could have something to, you know, to exchange while you were on tour with other people. So, yeah, that's how it started. Probably the event who triggered it all was a tour we had in 2012, together with Concern, with this guy from Portland, Gordon Ashworth. 
he was playing as concert oscillating in arts i mean at a couple of projects back then and he's also working with uh, mississippi records anyway it was uh, yeah that tour it was a, a, a whole one month tour by car we arrived in sweden uh, you know made italy then poland sweden then we went back and that was probably the event that triggered it all So yeah, I I, st I started learning guitar when I was uh, when I was a kid. I remember my first guitar teacher was you know was very this guy into yeah, with a classical formation. So he wanted me to play with the in the classic position and with the foot thing, with the foot stall, and taught me how to read music and pauses. And we were making solfeggio sessions i don't know the word in english you know when, okay yeah like also the allegro and stuff like that yeah anyway we, he was teaching me solfeggio then at some point uh i was i i told him look i i want to do like more more punky more <laughs> rock stuff and then i was bringing him cds and he taught me how to play i don't know like uh television or velvet underground or Stuff I was into and that period I was like 14, 15 and so it started then I was not so you know I am I'm not a, a very technical guitarist and I started playing with uh, with a band with Mimo with Domenico Napolitano now playing a sec and it was uh, it was a high school band you know and we were doing basically showcase showcase but then uh, yeah we had some I remember Mimo bought this M MS20 from Cork so we started digging more into crowd crowd stuff and I remember going to this shop in Napoli who was demos at the time they were a big distribution of you know, like weird stuff they had records from Zadik records or they had Sonic Cute, Faust, Khan or uh, also uh, dark industrial stuff, you know, at the time it was not so, uh, uh, you know, they had like stuff like Death in June or Boy Rise. at the time it was not already, you know, so bad scene. Uh, and so I, we started going there and buying these records and of artists we didn't know and started, started you know, experimenting, evolving our taste. Basically, from my bloody Valentine, which was our, you know, uh, <laughs> teenage discovery, and then you know, evolved a bit. Uh, so from from that, from shoegaze, I started playing more with pedals, and you know, putting starting to put uh, springs between the uh, the the guitar things. So I started experimenting a bit. In the end, it was after some years was a, like a, a noise rock band, you can say. Uh, we, are, we also released uh, a three-inch three CD, CD 
with a Hong Kong label that was Lona Records. It was owned by the guys from FM3 that later uh, built the, that thing. I don't remember the name of it, but it was and even endorsed by Brian Eno. It was just a little box. You could, it had different ambient melodies in it. Buddha box. Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah. And so we were like 18 and had this CD released in Hong Kong and we were very, very happy. Still very, uh, still, still the outsiders at school, and, <laughs> but, but we felt better and we started playing some concerts back then. Uh, I remember playing when I, when, when I was a kid with Ulaanbaatar some concerts yeah then we started playing around it was fun i mean we were basically play uh, rehearsing in this garage of another guy and we spent our afternoons there and then when we were a bit older like already 17 18 we started playing some concerts around i have very nice memories of that period then we became a trio because before we were five and started going also outside of the region, started going to play in Milan and Bologna. Uh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Released uh, another CD. It's also, uh, in that period, it was the, you know, the here it was the period in between uh, digitalization and analog. So we had like, I think we had a MySpace page where we where you could listen to our tracks but then nothing else you know you, you didn't have spotify or social medias uh, so yeah i i don't think you can find beltraum's uh tracks on the internet right now maybe on Soulstick, i don't know in which it was very active, I, I would say. So it was, uh, it was all, for me personally, it was very natural. So I went to the university in Napoli after high school. And we already, you know, were playing with Mimmo. Uh, and also we met Mario, Mario Gabola. He was studying, I think, biology. And he had this band already called uh, Aspirale with a guy called Maurizio Argenziano, who was a very, who was, I, I don't I don't hear back from him from years, but he, he was playing guitar in a very peculiar way. He also did a couple of concerts with, with Rhys Chatham, I think. Anyway, he was into the, that kind of uh, experimentation. Uh, 
Then there was uh, Francesco uh, Tignola, and he was also playing in a band called Ne Travaille Jamais. I, I played with them later, uh, later on, some years later. And he was already into noise, mostly harsh noise. Uh, then there were there was all other people. Some of them came from the conservatory, you know, from, came from school, music school, uh, which was at the time quite an institutional uh, environment. But uh, you you had people like Agostino Di Scipio uh, or Elio Martuscello or other people like that, who, you know, were kind of you know they were older, of course, than us. But they were coming sometimes to our to our shows. Uh, we played mostly, uh, you know. Uh, there was per tempo. Nowadays, it's just a, a bar among others. But at the time, it was a, a reference point, you know, for the for the counterculture, for underground. They were selling uh, books and uh, graphic novels and music, uh, which was totally. Uh, weird at that time. Then you had demos, then later become Oblomova. Uh, then there was this. Then there was this space, uh, which is still existing now. We still organize some concerts there. It's called 76 A. It's just the name of the the number of the street. It's in Monte Santo. Uh, and you know the place is it's just uh, a basement. It's, it's shared with other people. Uh, it used to be, you know, like uh, trapezio and the texture lessons in their theater lessons, or also sometimes they were uh, doing uh, encounters, political encounters, stuff like that. And so we slowly, with Mario, especially Mimo, Andrea Sagiomo, we got into into this and started organizing some concerts. Concerts. The, it was also always very, uh, you know, very free. Uh, there was people coming, people from the university. Then at some point we started, uh, our music started circulating a bit more uh, in Italy and a bit in Europe. So sometimes you would have people coming from outside for a couple of concerts, maybe in Napoli and Salerno, where also there was a small community. Uh, and then you, you know, you had these people being around. I remember uh, there was a a uh, period in which Jan Keller was there and he was playing noise, harsh noise. Uh, he also had a, concert, a couple of concerts in psychiatric institutions, very interesting. And he stayed there for like one month at Mario's place. So he was uh, always around. Then we uh, we met with uh, Matt Pogo and Roberta from Gilusi Party. They were in Florence. So we started, you know, having an exchange with them. Then I remember as Veltram, we start, we played uh, a bit around, like at XM24 in Bologna.
in Napoli we also had a officina of course which has, has always been a you know a safe spot for underground and everything it meant you know from they used to do more dub parties and uh, reggae reggae parties but they also were happy to you know host uh, experiment more experimental stuff You know, I, I think I think those guys uh, were were some sort of inspiration for uh, for our part uh, of the scene, let's say, because in Napoli you always had uh, also you know with punk bands. Uh, I was playing in Ultimo Giro, for example. We were touring with Tetano, these guys from Benevento, and at some point we were uh, renting a place called Atri. Uh, in which we organized both noise and cons and punk uh, and punk gigs. And so in Napoli, you always had this. Uh, at some point, you had this unity within underground, you know. So it didn't. There was not such a you know particularization of of genres. It was like oh, okay, you do stuff with this spirit, with, with a punk spirit, let's say, with a uh, an underground spirit, and so we. We got together, so there was people from punk scene or also from metal scene coming to noise concerts and vice versa, uh, or also some people from Officina from coming from a more uh, from more reggae dub roots. Because at the time I remember there was uh, huge parties, huge uh, reggae and dub parties at universities, even you know in the occupied areas of the university. So it, there was, at some point, Napoli always, uh, felt very vital, you know, felt very vital from this point of view. And also being a, a poor city where it's hard to organize big events, it's always been like that, you know, people tended to organize themselves in a, in a very uh, underground way with, with not much money, with, uh, with occupied areas or with small places. So it's always been like that, and it was very. Uh, in that period, it was very alive. This thing, and also people started coming from outside. Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a nice period. I feel like that I, I can cannot tell the years, but I think around 2000, from 2012, 2014, to be, uh, to be, you know, to shorten the years, it was very alive, you know. And we were also touring a lot. I remember between 2011 and 2014, me and Francesco as Matardo Loders, we had like three, three, four tours with uh, with guys from Sweden coming over, like Sewer Election, Harvard Media, uh, even Last for Youth before they were they were doing pop music. And we had a couple of Italian tours. So basically, they just they just came to Napoli and. We went by car to Rome, Bologna, Milan, Treviso, where there was uh, Matteo from Second Sleep, always uh, organizing concerts. So yeah, we had this uh, this map, you know, of, uh, of Italian underground we got into, and so it's still alive, I, I think. But a lot of people got older or went away, 
So it's it's not as easy as before, you know, to set up set up a, a concert. Also, we we probably <laughs> we probably got older, so uh, are not uh, happy anymore with a very small underground concert. Maybe you want something more institutional, as for example, La Digestion was in this. By this means, La Digestion was a, an adult evolution of uh, of these things, you know, more institutionalized in a in a in a more uh, uh, proper place with proper payment and blah blah. Yeah, so it started as a private party. Basically, there was uh, Andrea Sajomo who is uh, uh, doing Super 8 uh, stuff as uh, 70 FPS. He's also doing music. Uh, and he was living there. Uh, he he and, his, uh, and his partner, Gael, they, were, they are from Florence. And they fled away, basically, from Florence into Napoli. And so we met with them and they stayed uh, and they went living, after some years of Napoli, they went living in Sant'Agata de Goti, which is in the province of Benevento, uh, in this like rural house. Um, so, you know, they were like, in, at the end of summer, they they were like, oh, guys, why don't you come come here? We have, uh, we have dinner, we roast some some meat, some sausages, we have some wine and, uh, and, and play music. So it all started like this. And by that time it was, uh, you know, it was maybe Mario, Mimmo, me. There was also um, Francesco Gregoretti from, I don't remember his band, his band's name, One Starving Day, that was the band. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were doing more post-core experimental stuff, and uh, so there was Francesco, there was Olivier Di Placido at some point. He came from uh, this French guy. He, he came from Berlin. He's now uh, seven, eight years. He's in Napoli, <laughs> and yeah. So it was this weird, uh, weird assembly of people. Uh, then also Netravayejame people. So the first years was basically this. You know, we we just organized Andrea told hey come for let's have this party and very relaxed then after some years it expanded a bit like uh, I remember also some years there were uh, punk bands coming so you have, we had more people coming over uh, so it was even uh, less it, it's always uh, stayed like a private party so we also told people do not make uh, social publicity publicity about this uh, don't you know don't there's no ticket there's just a, a contribution like a fee just to eat and drink uh, all together bring your own tent bring your own stuff and so we started like this then at some point there was uh, punk bands coming uh, like for example uh, like um, some 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 bands were like motosega or bambox orchestra 
uh, all rotating around Ottavio Balzano, which is another important person in this scene, especially in punk. Uh, the Radsters, you know, bands like that. very big like I remember a couple of years there was like 150 people which was a lot for Andrea's house and I remember also one year a girl a friend of us you know she posted on Instagram a story from this there is an old uh, lavatoio in Sant'Agata so a place where people used to go and wash their uh, their clothes and I remember she posted this story uh, with a localization and there was an article some days after like punks uh, going to ruin our <laughs> our monuments <laughs> it was not like this of course we were just you know being being stupid uh, around the water and uh, with with the feet in the water you know and so we redimensioned and and went smaller again then last couple of years it was not anymore sustainable uh, this place in the meantime mario went living there and also tavio uh, but mario you know uh, they had kids so it's less uh, it's more of a stress to have all the people around so we transferred to another place like 500 meters further uh, we have permission to be there from the from the farmer with a Mario Mario neighbor uh, Mario's neighbor so he just goes there and say hey can we use the place for this thing and he knows us this year he even pulled me out of the of mud because my car was stuck in the mud <laughs> he came with tractor and pulled me out uh, yeah anyway there is this abandoned house with uh, you know with olive trees with fruit trees all around with a big uh, uh, you know some space and so we were doing this from a couple of years there last year it was still bigger this year it was more familiar let's say because we don't have so much energy anymore <laughs> to to bring all the pa sometimes we you know we one one important thing to mention is we borrow the PA and the stage and uh, all what we need from Setantaseya, from Atri. So there is still this community things. So everybody bought their PA or their equipment during the years. So we, if we need, if any of us needs uh, some some parts, we we share. Uh, it's always been like this, and I think this is nice. Uh, yeah yeah now now it's anyway 12 12 12 years we do this uh, it's, i don't know if it's gonna every year we say okay la, la, next year no but we, in the end we always do it because it's, it's like a family meeting you know it's, it's nice yeah how about x we don't yeah i agree yeah, yeah also you know he's a he's a bit younger than and all the people I mentioned, so he was coming from, uh, you know, beat stuff, break, break beat, like hip hop stuff. And then he started coming to our concerts and experimenting with uh, less constructed uh, beats. 
and it's very interesting what he does. He, he also plays with another person worth mentioning, who's Stefano Costanzo, who's a drummer. He was also playing in bands, but Trica uh, Tiempo, also with Ron, at some point with Ron Greco. And he's a very, he has a very interesting style of drumming. Uh, he's more from the, Stefano is more from the Academia, but Guido, yeah, back to Guido, is very interesting what he does. And he's also very, you know, he, know, he knows what he does. He now works as a sound engineer. So he comes from a more, his, his daily jobs are more like he goes to, he does the engineer for theatrical jobs or for, uh, important festivals, uh, but uh, then when he when he plays, it's very dirty, you know, in his approach. Uh, but still, very very interesting. And yeah, I I do agree. He's a guy. He's a good example of. Uh, and also, he came. Uh, there was a you know a ren renovation in. Uh, because he, he, as I said, he's a bit younger, and we also had other people. Uh, who started coming, you know, younger people coming to our concerts, people from the university, and maybe they were coming from other backgrounds, but were able to, you know, get into the, uh, the thing and start an experiment in themselves. I feel like this is, uh, this is important, you know, it keeps the scene alive and also uh, it's like uh, you, you know, you, you have a community of people and feeling this, things the same way, even if they come from other backgrounds and doing other stuff. So yeah, it's, it's nice. Uh, I'm very slow in these years. Recently, I released something from uh, Venta Prothesis, who's this guy uh, doing computer noise. He has uh, a huge fan base all over the world. <laughs> uh, like, uh, he's a very shy guy, you know, very. Uh, he's a great friend, but he's a very, you know, res uh, how do you say, uh, reservato, like a very. Yeah, a very reserved person, and he always came playing with uh, with his pink computer, and sometimes he he almost uh, got us banned from from some clubs because he always has to play very loud. Uh, but now he has matured a bit, so he understands we cannot go and break uh, the club's PA. Anyway, he's got, he, went, he also went to Japan once and almost got arrested for... Uh, he participated in some guerrilla noise uh, concert. I don't know the guys who organized this, but he was playing in the street and there, there's this picture of, of him speaking with the Japanese police who were saying, no, you cannot play here, <laughs> of course. But he, yeah, he's, he's been around for a while. Then also I have this release from this guy, Pietro, Pietro Rihanna. Uh, perform. I mean, he's playing as like someone, and he's been DJing a lot. He collaborates a lot with uh, Radio Rain in Milan, uh, and he he runs a, a a record store in Rome. He's a he's also an old friend. So last really basically last uh, releases I did in last years were all from people I know personally from friends. Uh, 
some years ago I was uh, I was more active in looking for uh, releases from artists I know uh, or from artists I like. Uh, but in the end, it was always very, you know, within my circle of, uh, of friends, let's say. Uh, also, if I release some, something from, I don't know, Arvok Mido or something from uh, uh, this guy from, uh, from Audiovisual Atmospheres or uh, False Moniker. Uh, I mean, I release some, something from people I don't personally know. But basically, it's always been uh, an effort to, you know, to promote uh, people I know and people around me who do who do things alike, which I feel, uh, which I feel I like to my approach. You know, even even being very different genre, uh, it's always people I feel close. You know. And uh, let's talk more about Francesco Gregoretti. He was in, in one serving day, then at some point also played with, uh, I think he played with Mario and Mimo. Yeah, Grizzly imploded. And then he played in many others, a, group, a band called Many Others with Olivier Di Placido. And now they're playing, uh, it's some years they're playing together. And it's a very nice combo because Francesco has a, it's a very weird and personal style of drumming, and Olivia plays prepared guitar, uh, like tabletop prepared guitar, and it's also very interesting what they do. I released also a tape from them, as many others, some years ago. Yeah. Francesco also plays in Grizzly Imploded, the other variations, uh, which all include Maurizio Argenziano. Can you? Talk more about his influence. Yeah, I think he, I mean, inspired me a lot. Like, uh, yeah, as you said, he's not coming from uh, academia or or not doing music uh, as his first occupation. He's like working as a designer in, in industry. Uh, so that's probably why he's, not, he's now not playing so much anymore. I think he released the tape for Joy the Beaver some years ago. And... Anyway, I remember, you know, when back to the uh, to the days when I was at university in Napoli, I remember it was very, his style was very inspiring, you know. He experimented a lot with feedback and he had also an alum aluminum guitar, so he was preparing it a lot. It was very, it was very interesting. I remember we had a tour, I was 20 or 21, we went uh, for two, three gigs in Berlin. It was me and Mimo as end organ, and Mario and Maurizio, they as aspirale still, but without the drummer. Um, and yeah, Maurizio's style is incredible, I have to say. Uh, it's very unique. Uh, I'm sorry I don't see him so much because it's a very, you know, it's a very regular life and doesn't, <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you don't see him around so much. Maybe in uh, some concerts he comes, but you don't see him around so much. Yeah, yeah he, he was, uh, I think he was, you know, also a link to an older generation of, uh, of experimentalists in Napoli. 
to my generation because of course he's a bit older but yeah his style is definitely uh, you know worth searching for worth uh, acknowledging it's very it's very good Chicago, right? I think with I think with uh, forest management with John Daniel, I would we were like exchanging tapes, or I was buying something from him, or vice versa. And I, I liked him his stuff and say, hey, do you wanna do you wanna release a tape on my label? And it was very it was very kind, it was very enthusiastic. Yeah, so I did a couple. Yeah, that's an example of a, of a person I don't know personally because we never met in the end. He came, he even came to Europe to, to Switzerland to play, I think, but we never met. Uh, and then also I re re released a tape for, uh, uh, I, I don't remember the name, <laughs> like from uh, the guy from Race to the Bottom, who was also, he played also as uh, Rongo, uh, Niall Morgan, I think he's from California. He was releasing, I remember a tape as uh, as wrong or I don't remember even the label, maybe it was fresh. Anyway, I, also there I asked, I also I asked him and he just uh, sent this C20 over, it was fun.
So your podcast is on Radio Carbone Stereo. Um, does that mean you know who Liberato is? Can you tell us his secret identity? Uh, no. Uh, like I don't know. I don't know if I can say no. I think uh, some 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 of the people from Radio Cavone Stereo they took part in a video from Liberato uh, because uh, the director guy is uh, is a friend. And so so that's it. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, 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 they tried this thing, but it was nice. I mean, uh, I wasn't there back uh, back in the days. I was living in Berlin, so I didn't participate. But I was always uh, hearing back from the guys. And it's also there. It's also a nice, uh, a nice group. You have uh, in Radio Cavone Stereo. You have, for example, Fabrizio, who's playing as K Conjo. He's very. He works as a music producer. And also you have uh, Antonello, who is Dopo Lavoro, who is a graphic design studio, but very you know active also for French music- musicians. He was releasing, he was designing uh, many of our uh, artworks or websites and blah blah blah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice it's a nice bunch. The the episodes we did for. Or Radio Cavone were four, actually. And you know, it all started as a joke, and it, it is. <laughs> now with Carol, we... Yeah, the, my my partner is Carol Ulato. She's uh, Ivorian with, uh, with Ivorian origins. She's from Bologna. E per accompagnarci in questo viaggio abbiamo una, un'inviata speciale che è sul posto, diciamo, e lei che ci guiderà. Dalla regia mi dicono che non è facile la comunicazione. Pronto? Pronto? Pronto! Pronto, Carol, ciao! Ciao, ciao Giuseppe, mi sentite? Ciao, sì, ti sento, ti sento. c'è un po' di casino, ma ti, ti C'è sento. un po' di casino, ti giuro, sono sulla spiaggia di Praia, sto aspettando di, di partire per Nuocciotti, Mauritania. Do, dove sei, quindi? A, a Praia? Sono, sono a Praia, a Praia, Capoverde. Capoverde, ok, ok. E, ascolta, no, sì, appunto, che sta succedendo? C'è, c'è proprio una ressa. Sì, c'è una, una ressa sul, sul mare, c'è un sacco di gente, c'è gente che si butta nelle onde. We met in Berlin, we were working in a call center uh, from a big fintech uh, company. So, you know, while answering phone calls for, from angry people asking where their money was at, <laughs> we were exchanging music and we discovered this... Uh, common passion for uh, African music, uh, or music from different African countries. And so it all started like this. So then at some point I said, oh, there is this guys uh, who have a web radio. We started a web radio and, and they're asking me for a contribution. Would you mind? Uh, and so we started, you know, it was, uh, we, the quality of like the first episode is very low because we were recording with a computer microphone in, a, in my room in Berlin and we faked that she was traveling 
uh, across Africa. So I called her from the other room, and we, like every every town she every country she was visiting, she sent me music from that country. So we invented this uh, this script, let's say. But it was a very nice way to discover uh, a lot of music, and also uh, we we were doing some DJing in Berlin. Of course, in Germany, it's very. Uh, the the research on on African music is is more uh, developed than in Italy. In Italian, there's not so many people doing this. So our goal was to, uh, to just spread uh, a bit without any uh, you know without you know wanting to teach anybody because we didn't discover stuff. We just took stuff from different labels we were following, like uh, awesome tapes from Africa, Austin Auto Records, Analog Africa, stuff like Okora for the ancient part. So we were taking stuff there and mixing it. Uh, then it's, we also had, um, we were doing a couple of DJing uh, gigs in Italy, in Milan, in Bologna, and we had uh, a, a foundation in Turin called the Fondazione uh, Sandretto Rebaudengo in Turin. They asked us for a, for a mix uh, and it was all about Somalia. And then now we were doing some episodes for Fango Radio, which is also another very active web radio. Yeah, so we're still alive. I mean, that that's also for us a way to keep in touch because we were we're very good friends. Now she's moving to Paris, uh, so we yeah we we keep this uh, this this hotline alive uh, and keep discovering a lot. I mean, there's when you as you know Charles Duvel, the guy from Okora, said when you start uh, discovering that kind of music, you you tune your ears again and so i like this exercise you know exactly <laughs> great and so i i really enjoy this kind of exercise you know of retuning your ears to different uh, to a different approach basically uh, you discover also we try to you know in our research we uh, we you know, went uh, exploring also academic sources because sometimes you find uh, studies about uh, meaning of specific kind of music in specific specific countries, uh, and it's often often connected with post-colonial studies, which is also one of my interests. For example, if you see Cabo Verdean music or Somali music or all the West African music. Uh, it has often a connection with, with their history, so we like to explore Twilight also a bit of that. Uh, now we're doing a, an episode on Madagascar. You, you always, when you, when you go into, into exploring and, and studying uh, music of, of countries we considered, you know, like, colonies historically you always discover a lot and also uh, 
it's you, you always have to, as Charles Duvel said, tra translate in your mind and your ears what you hear, and understand the meaning. It's, it's very, it's very interesting. We try when we go DJing. We we, we have gigs. We try to put the more danceable stuff. Uh, we. I remember in Milan there was this girl uh, complimenting us. She was she didn't mean to compliment us, but I felt very complimented. She says, "I tried to shazam all of your tracks, but I can't find anything." And we were like, "Yeah." <laughs> it was it's a compliment for me. Explain the significance of the title of the podcast, Parto noi Bastimenti. The Parto noi Bastimenti. That was a reference uh, from uh, from a migration song, a, a Napolitan migration song. Uh, yeah, uh, it's from A. A. Mario, the author. If you, write, uh, if you look for it, uh, uh, you know it's always the same topic of uh, of, of migration. No, I miss my I miss my land, but I have to leave because here there's poverty. So partono i bastimenti, which means the ships are leaving to this new world, and, and the author cries for this uh, necessity to to migrate. So we, we also felt it was appropriate. Now it's also something, you know, we don't insist a lot on politics and we don't insist a lot of, on, on academia because we don't have the background, we're not prepared to do this, but we deeply feel the, <laughs> the, the necessity to, to, to divulgate, I don't know in English, to, to explain there is, uh, in, it, to, a, to a public such as the Italian public, which is often very, uh, unattentive, uh, unaware of this. It's just a, a bit of our purpose, let's say. Generally, in, in Italy, there is this kind of removal about the colonial past and about the, also the fascist regime. Somehow, the, you know, the average Italian is convinced that uh, it was not so bad, it was not so evil after all. 
because we didn't have uh, all the cast and blah blah blah. But if you go studying history a bit, you see it was still uh, <laughs> still bad. Uh, so there is this kind of removal. Uh, in, in Italy and Europe, uh, now it's more uh, it's changing for, for, for the better. But until up until 30 years ago, uh, there was not so so much uh, people who who steadily lived in Italy, people with African origins steadily or with Italian citizens citizenship. So it was especially you have to consider Italy is a town is a country of towns, is a country of villages. So you may see the the old lady in the in the small town in Cilento or in Sardinia or in the Apennine who, who hold, hold, still sees uh, African people, people with African origins as foreigners, as Africans, even if they're born and raised in Italy. So there is this, uh, this first difficulty. I, uh, I link it to Napoli, first of all, because Napoli and the south of Italy, uh, I think there was uh, of course, you know, there was a lot of uh, immigration, but also mm, I think in the culture, in the Napolitan culture, there's this thing of considering themselves part of the south of the world, like a, like a, a far a place was far from, from power, far from wealth. Uh, Napoli and the south have always been the, the poor part, the underdeveloped part of Italy. And also comparing to Europe, sometimes we feel like we're like no, uh, like outside of it, you know. So there is all now it's changing, but it's always been like this. So the, I think that's why Napoli had this relation with music like reggae, dub, and hip hop, with music expressing somehow uh, rage and or, or the will of freedom uh, in this way. Uh, yeah, so that's the link for me. And for as for as for the relation uh, relationship with Carol or with uh, Africa in general, I, as I told you, it's changing. Like people from my generation, perfectly had the experience of uh, people with African origins who were born and raised and did school here. So it's nothing weird. Uh, but yeah, you have to, if, when you talk to older people, you have to, you know, explain, like, like grandma, this, this is Carol, she's Italian, she, she, you know, uh, because there is this gap, there is this heavy weight. Uh, but I think it's all over Europe, maybe just England, France, with the, a stronger colonial past, uh, but if you go to I remember being in, in Sweden, you know, very liberal, very, very progressist. But still, uh, it's strange to see uh, uh, a, a Swedish uh, who's black, at, at least for older people. So that's, I think Europe uh, has, has to do, you know, uh, is some years uh, later than the US from this point of view. And we, we have different... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't, it's, it's a very big question, but it's, we have different uh, history of that. 
probably probably dating back to to the fact we had some of the worst dictatorship in, uh, in, the, in the 20th century some idea and to the fact I, I told you you know perfectly that Italy you know is mostly made of small small towns and that's also why far right won basically if you if you look at the projections of course you have younger people from from cities voting mostly left then you have to there's a, an all other all other the speech about Partito Democratico being left or not <laughs> but Hey, thanks for having me. And yeah, let's uh, let's stay in touch, okay? Yeah, you too. Ciao, Joe.
Radio Cavone Stereo, altissimo gradimento.